I always thank God for you. I always thank God for you. I have so much to be thankful to God for you. You want to know a few of the things that I thank God for you? Here's a few that I wrote down. Your unity, how you stay unified, how you are flexible. We saw this so much through through, uh, COVID and other things and all the changes these last few years. I, I think about how you love God and you love his word. How there's dozens of ladies that gather on, on Tuesday mornings to study God's word. How we gather in, in many groups throughout our church. How just yesterday for our entrusting to faithful men discipleship group, we had 19 guys show up. Isn't that awesome? I praise God and thank God for the fact that you're a praying church. That you love to pray. I've said this many times that it's the prayers, the faithful prayers that have been answered that why we're still in existence today as a church. And that's been decades and decades of prayers. Even yesterday, we had 20 ladies at our our ladies' prayer retreat. On a Saturday morning? Knowing you have to show up again on Sunday? Come on. And then thinking about how you as a church, I thank God for the fact that you're willing to to multiply yourself and that we were able to plant a church, Restoration Church, down in South Cambridge. I I thank God for the love and support that you give to this church and the work and the ministry, but also that globally and the missionaries that you support and how we were able to go above and beyond all of our needs this past year and we were able to support others. And this has been amazing. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the fact that you are a friendly church. Um, I got to tell you, I've visited quite a few churches and Have you ever gone to church and no one talks to you? That doesn't seem to happen at our church. And if you've been forgotten about here today, we we want to get to know you. And then there's the children. I love how you love children. I I thank God for that. And and, um, whether whether it's Pastor Aaron recruiting for future worship teams or... Whether it is uh, something that I heard that happened in our TBC Kids ministry recently... One of the workers relayed this to me, and uh, one of the kids came in late to our, our ministry and was lamenting and said, 10 minutes late for the best part of my week. Isn't that awesome? That's just the amazing job that Pastor Kyle and all of our, our TB kids, TBC Kids uh, ministers do. And thank you for all you who serve. It's, it is so crucial. Look at the life that we're seeing. It's amazing. So I thank God for you. And I can say that on behalf of our whole leadership team. We really are echoing what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. If you would please turn there for the reading of God's word. We're going to do that in just a moment. And if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to give one to you. This is for you to keep, uh, for you to, to read. Just raise your hand and we'd love to give one to you. And we're going to be, I think there's one down here. Thanks, Wes. And um, 
We're going to be continuing on our series called Holy Together in the Gospel, a study in 1 Corinthians. And if you want to know a little bit more about um, 1 Corinthians, this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, you can pick up one of these uh, background sheets at the Connect desk after the service. But just to recap, last week we started off in verses 1 through 3, and we learned that our church is called to represent Jesus. Our church is called to be saints together, holy like Jesus. Our church is called to pray to the name of Jesus. And our church is called to receive the grace and peace from Jesus. This is what we're called to. And as a church, we realize that there's this grace upon grace. And man, I I need grace all the time, don't you? I realize how desperate I am And there's areas of my life that I so need Jesus to continue to to transform me and and grow me. And so this is what we're going to find out as we read. And last week, we even learned about the power of the gospel. The gospel meaning the good news of Jesus Christ. It changes people. It transforms them. There was this guy named Sosthenes that Paul was writing this letter with. Now, Sosthenes was actually, uh, according to um, most scholars, believe this, uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 17, he was the, the ruler of the Jewish synagogue there in Corinth. And the, uh, the Jews completely rejected Paul. And they actually brought uh, a lawsuit. They brought Paul to trial. And what ends up happening is Sosthenes, actually, it turns on him, and he's the one who gets started beating, getting beat up while Paul's trying to explain the, the, the gospel to the rulers there in the tribunal. And then what's amazing to me is here's this guy who brings this lawsuit against Christians and against Paul, and then he ends up being called a brother in verse 1. Again, I just got to remind you, like, no matter how hard somebody is to the gospel, the power that raised Jesus from the grave can change people's lives. And maybe you find yourself a little bit hostile to Christianity. You don't like it. Think about this question. Why would you not want to receive Jesus who spreads a message of love? That you are loved and you can be loved for all eternity. It's the greatest message the world's ever heard. So that's the gospel. Let's, let's read a little bit more about this from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 4. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? And there's what we read the Apostle Paul writes. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God. He had already mentioned grace. Can never get enough grace. Because of the grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless on the day of our our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of a son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is amazing how many times Jesus is mentioned, isn't it, in these few verses, these first nine verses. It's all about Jesus. And may we make much of him as we understand his word. You may be seated. God is faithful. God is faithful to richly give us everything we need in Christ. 
like everything. So I say, John, I, I'm feeling a little bit under-resourced here. Like everything that I need, yes, everything that you need can be found in Jesus Christ. You might say today, well, I'm a little short, a little short in cash, a little short on friends, a little short on time. I want to remind you that God is faithful and he's faithful to richly give us everything we need in Christ. All those things can be given. Friendship, time, resources. Most of all, the, the, the provision just to, to continue to care for one another. God is faithful to richly give you everything you need in Christ. And I believe that because of who God is, we are tremendously blessed. See, that word in verse 5, where I'm getting this, this whole idea of richly give, you see in verse 5, it says that in every way you are rich in him. That's the word we get for plutocrat, which means a, a really rich person. And if you think about God, God is the wealthiest person in the universe, isn't he? He lacks no resources. And if he is our father, do you think he's going to take care of us? Absolutely. All of our needs, maybe not all of our wants, but all of our needs. And I want you to be encouraged at this, that God is able to faithfully, because he's faithful, to give us everything we need in Christ. And we're going to find some ways that he does that. Let's walk through the text here. And we see that in verse 5, that God is faithful to give everything we need in Christ in our speech. Look what it says in verse 5, that in every way you enrich in him in all speech. Now, why would he start with speech? Why would he start with words? Well, if you think about it, words are the most powerful thing in the universe. Weren't words what God created this universe with? He said, let there be light, and there was light. And you think about it this week, how words could have built you up and, and built you up throughout the week or words tore you down. They have the power to give life. They have the power to destroy. I'm reminded of that. I've been reminded of that this week. Maybe you have too. And we find here that in Christ, we've been enriched in him to be, have all speech. And if we read other parts of the Bible, like the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, we find that Jesus is called the Logos. He's the Word. And if he's the word and, and words generate from him, then any word that you need, he will provide for you. And maybe today you came in here and you're like, I'm not looking forward to some conversation at work, at school, going home. Can you trust God to give you the words? Or maybe, maybe you're like, I don't know what to say to this person. This person is so discouraged. Pray to, pray to Jesus. God is faithful to give us everything we need in Christ in our speech. Words are really important in the Corinthian church. There's an emphasis on, on how they use their gifts to speak to one another. And so we see that Christ is the one who gives us words. So will you trust him? Maybe that's your big takeaway for today. You're like, I just need that. I just needed that to hear that. But the good news is there's more. That God is faithful to richly give us everything we need in our knowledge. In our knowledge. That's what it goes on to say in verse 5. All knowledge. 
as just as it was all speech. You know, the Corinthians um, were very much influenced by the Greeks, and the Greeks loved secret knowledge. And even psychologists today talk about secrets and how they, they have this power. I read one quote that's from one psychologist that said, secrets are seductive, irresistible, provocative, and exciting. We, we love secrets. And um, this past week, we revealed a family secret. David, Wendy McElroy, Dave was on the, the keys today. And Lori and I, we are expecting our second grandchild, right? That was the secret. Yeah, you can clap all you want. I'm very happy about it. And I got to tell you, it was hard to keep a secret. And, and usually I can keep secrets. I, I, I get paid sometimes to keep secrets because people tell you, tell me your secrets and I, I keep them. But this one was really hard. We love secrets. But this knowledge is not just the secret knowledge. It's a knowledge. It's a relational knowledge. It's as like a husband and wife know one another. I mean, Lori and I have been married for 28 years, almost been um, dating for 30. And when she looks at me, and just she knows what I'm thinking. And when I look at her, I don't know what she's thinking. <laughs> but I've tried. I've tried to grow with that relational knowledge, right? And so I'm trusting God, give me the knowledge to even talk to Lori and know what she's doing and thinking. And this person and this person and this person, maybe you find yourself that way too, right, today? God is faithful to give everything we need in Christ for all the knowledge that you have. However that is, whether it's the relational knowledge of knowing other people, whether it's knowledge, maybe you're struggling at work with some you know, project, and you're, just, you're stuck. You don't know what the solution is to the problem. Have you tried asking God who knows all things to help you in your workplace and your relationships and everything that you're doing? God is faithful to richly give us everything we need and all knowledge, all. But God is also faithful to richly give us everything we need in Christ in our spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. Now, for some of you who are new with us, this is a whole new concept. We haven't really taught a lot about this. This is one of the reasons why we're so excited about going through this journey of 1 Corinthians, so that you can be empowered to understand what your spiritual gifts are. And I want to tell you that every church has all the gifts that they need to complete the assignments that God has for us to do. It's a real encouragement. We still need to pray as Jesus taught us to pray for harvest workers to come and help out with that and to join the church in this. And that's why we pray for more workers. But often people are on the sidelines because they either don't know their spiritual gift or they're just not using them. And so I want to I talk about spiritual gifts a little bit and explain a little bit more about what, small, what, what uh, spiritual gifts are all about. So I have some questions that we'll walk through. The first is this, what is a spiritual gift? And here's what you read. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability for service to unify and build up the church. It's a spiritual gift is a God-given ability for service to unify and build up the church. 
That's what a spiritual gift is. And you don't want to confuse that with talents. Talents are God-given, and spiritual gifts are God-given. But here's the difference. A talent is something that you get when you are born. A spiritual gift is something you get when you are born again. I'll say that again. A talent is something that God gives you when you are born. But a spiritual gift is something that you get from God when you are born again. You become a believer in Jesus Christ. And this is really important. The Holy Spirit gives you this gift. It's God-given. You can't, you can't inherit it from your family. There, there might be ways that they put you in a position to, to learn about spiritual gifts, but it comes directly from the Holy Spirit. It's not for your own personal fulfillment to reach your destiny. It is to unify and build up the church. And sometimes we even have gifts that we maybe don't even love. And, and it wouldn't be your favorite if you had your choice, but do you have that gift? And we need to remember that, uh, I'll try to, just to help you remember that the spiritual gift isn't for you, but it's for the church. This will be helpful to remember, uh, something to remember. This is a gift, right? We usually think of presents. This is a gift. And at Christmas time, we usually think these gifts are for us. But, Sam, can you help me out with this? When I open up this, this gift, you want to open up the gift? Okay. What's in it? Oh, it's empty. It's empty. It's nothing, right? The focus is on... <laughs> we'll get it in a second, Sam. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't prep him ahead of time. You can see that. Um, see, the spiritual gift is not so much about the present. It's about the Holy Spirit's presence in our life, and that the Holy Spirit animates that in our life and helps grow it so that we can have great empowerment and be used in mighty ways for the kingdom, but we always need to remember that the gift is from the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And so, again, that's why we are born again with this gift. The Spirit brings it into our lives. Second question is, why do we need to know about spiritual gifts? Well, knowing our spiritual gifts will help each believer, each one of us, find their niche in the body of Christ. You can say, okay, this is what God's called me to do. This is my calling. This is my gifts. As we seek him for his assignments for us. A third question is, is, question is this. Does everybody have a spiritual gift? This is really important. Only if you're a believer in Jesus Christ do you receive a spiritual gift. So it begs the question, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus? Every believer has a spiritual gift, sometimes multiple gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 makes this clear. This is what it says. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Notice the serving capacity. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. This is a way to show God's grace. And if we go back just to the text for a moment, here, isn't this so neat? Look at verse 7. So that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a new insight to me. Um, many of us are so excited. We can't wait for Jesus to come back. And one of the ways that we can show that eagerness is actually to use our spiritual gifts. Have you ever thought of it that way before? 
As we contribute and we work together as a body of Christ, that's a way of saying, we're ready, Jesus, come back. We're eager for you to come back and change this whole world and have the new heavens and new earth and we'll be with you forever and ever. And so when you use your gift, it's a way of saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. We wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that maybe is one of the things that some of you will say, I need to actually think about whether I really am a believer. Because if you're a believer, you're going to want to use this gift. A fourth question is, when does one get the, the spiritual gift? Gifts are distributed at the moment of salvation. Now, are they fully developed, fully um, uh, be able to be used in great power? No. But at the moment of salvation, that's when we get that, that gift. How about, can I lose my spiritual gift? Or can I trade my spiritual gift? I want this person's spiritual gift. No, there's no trades. You, you have to stick with the one you've been given. And God doesn't make mistakes. And it cannot be lost. It cannot be used. It can be neglected. That's why Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 14, do not neglect the gift that was given to you. And so we're supposed to use these gifts. And then how do I develop my gifts? Well, there's three ways. Through education, you need to learn about your gift. You need to know about it. Through exercise, just like anything, you need to practice it. You need to use it. And sometimes as you practice, you learn, okay, that's, I thought that was my gift, but maybe it's not really my gift. And then through evaluation, there has to be affirmation of other believers, affirmation of the local church. And when we look at verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 7, we see that they didn't lack any spiritual gift. They had an abundance of gifts, of gifts, spiritual gifts. They were an embarrassment of riches, if we could put it that way, except they weren't embarrassed. They were actually bragging about it. Now, why did the, the church at Corinth seem to have so many gifts? All the gifts, power gifts, love gifts, serving gifts, all these types of things. Well, um, this is, yeah, I want to start a new denomination, but this is what I would propose. When, when people who have gone through such trauma and difficulty, uh, God often gives them an extra amount of grace. Charisma. Giftedness is what that word emphasis. And it's because Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, is quoting the prophet Isaiah, and he says that he came to to release the captives. The Corinthians had been in captivity to, um, to all the, the, the worship of other gods. And those believers had been rescued from that. And really those other gods were, were demons behind them. And they, they had been rescued by Jesus at the cross. And then as they believed in Jesus, what he did at the cross. And so... Um, I know my wife has taught on this and, and continues to develop with, with uh, Dr. Baxter, our elder, just to, as she's working on her master's, this whole idea of the fact that um, as, we, as we are sometimes see gifts in one location that seems to be more empowered, it could be the fact that Christ came and took the spoils of war. He defeated the kingdom of darkness and passed out gifts. And we read about this in another book, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, however, he, 
has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a host of captives. Remember I told you about Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and gave gifts to his people. So think about this. Your spiritual gift, my spiritual gift, are, is part of the spoils of war of, of Jesus' victory over the devil and his minions. And notice it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And so Christ has distributed these gifts in part because of the spoils of war. Isn't that an amazing thought? The victory that, that Christ has given as he won at the cross. God's faithful to richly give us everything we need in Christ in our spiritual gifts, everything that we need to build up the body and unify it. God's also faithful to richly give us everything we need for perseverance. Maybe you walked in here today and you are struggling with your faith. Maybe you're encountering some doubts. Here's one verse that I would encourage you to memorize, to, to hold fast to. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Talking about Jesus, who will sustain you to the end. Sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I take that to mean that Jesus is going to take care of our sin. He's going to help us persevere. And there's some who talk about the perseverance of the saints. It's mostly about the perseverance of God, right? That God is faithful in our life to sustain us. So that when we stand before Jesus on that day in Lord Jesus in his judgment seat, guiltless. Isn't that an amazing truth? That's why if today you walked in here and said, man, I really messed up. I really sinned. Then you come to Jesus and grace upon grace, verse 3, verse 4, this grace is available to you. But it requires repentance. It requires confession. So God is faithful to richly give us everything we need in Christ and our speech and knowledge and spiritual gifts and perseverance. And lastly, look at verse 9. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He also gives us fellowship. Didn't we see that during COVID, during those years of loneliness, that we needed to have fellowship? And that was what we find in Jesus, that he's given us everything we need. God's faithful in that. And maybe you, today you find yourself lonely, discouraged, you have Jesus if you trust in him. And you have a church who is not perfect, but loves you. And I thank God for you. And I thank God for Jesus Christ. Do you today? Let's, um, this is, we're about to sit in just a moment. Just uh, as finish this prayer, and then I'll close this in prayer and transitioning us to a psalm. God, I thank, thank you for, for this church. Just pray this prayer. God, I thank you for. Finish that prayer.
the encouragement from fellow believers. Any others? We thank you for forgiveness of sins and for your grace. Any others? Mm. Thank you, God, for not letting Jen have any more seizures. Mm-hmm. One more. And thank you, God, for your love. God, we thank you for these things and so many more. You, you heard in the quietness of our hearts. And God, may we leave a grateful people because you have done so much through your son, Jesus, who died on a cross and rose again so that we might have life. Thank you for all these things, the richness found in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.